close to my soul and yet so far away I'm going to go back there someday Welcome to I Don't Get It, the pop culture get off my long cast, featuring the open-minded musings of two mid-40s curmudgeons staring down the prospect of entertainment and irrelevance, giving you free content. All we ask of you is attention, and hopefully you're giving it to us by listening to us right now at this very moment, Noah. I am such a such a smooth intro, Bill. Thank you, man. Thank you. I am your co-host. <laughs> oh boy, we're off to a good start in 2020. Your co-host, Bill Scurry of America Caesar Enterprises, which is a resume writing service, which is somewhat accurate. <laughs> and I am joined, as always. Oh boy, we're having the, fun. Uh, my laugh- name is Noah Tarno, the laughing jackal on the other side of this phone call. Yes, on the other side of the world. Uh, my name is Noah Tarno. I'm the founder, a senior quiz master of the Big Quiz Thing. The trivia game show spectacular, and it's uh, it's good to see you again, Bill. It's good to talk to you. Yeah, we have been on hiatus since our last episode was what the week before Christmas. Uh, yeah, like December eighteen or something like that. Yeah, right. So this is our first episode of twenty twenty three. Bill was uh, traveling. Where where were you, Bill? Where'd you go? I get uh, you know we can't not come back uh, to the states for Christmas, so we we did a couple of weeks on the uh, eastern Eastern time. Uh, we were in New York. We saw a lot of our friends and. And family, and some people are listeners, but more than no, were non-listeners. I think it's fair to say. Uh, along <laughs> the- <laughs> most of fun. the people I saw were not. Most of the people at the airport when I was yeah. waiting for my flight are not listeners. As I, oh, I, I don't get it, the pop culture get off my look. Lungs. I walked back and forth at Kennedy Airport waiting to be recognized, and not a single person <laughs> hit me in the bathroom. They didn't say in the line, uh, you know, outside the, of. How creepy would that be if you're at in the bathroom? You're at the urinal, midstream, and midstream goes. Midstream, and it's not even like our our episode is a visual thing. So uh, he's like, "Hey, aren't you Bill Scurry?" If I don't get it, the pop culture get off my lawn. Yeah, I would. Well, it depends. Is it is the guy on the left or on the right when I'm doing this? <laughs> because if I, I have, if I have to give an over the urinal handshake, oh, you know, to the guy right. on the left, that's one thing. Right. But if point. I have to, but I have to, if I have to do that one like curled in creep on the right side of the urinal. That's also a, a, that's a difficult handshake to give as well. Not not so long ago, I was talking to a woman, an adult woman, and somehow we were talking about using public restrooms. And she was under the impression that when you're at a urinal, you clearly see the penises of everyone else at the urinal. She said something like, well, men see other men's penises all the time. And I'm like, well, gay men, yes. And she's like, no, like, don't you see the other guy's urinal penises at the urinals? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no. She just thought she never really thought about urinal mechanics. So she just thought that, like, I'm like, look, you could crane your head neck over and look. You might get punched in the face, or if you're, at least if, you know what. If you're a dirty if, look, if but. you're asking me, I find that you know this is a whole uncharted sector of public life is the design of men's bathrooms. I feel mm-hmm. like, first of all, the urinals are far too close to each other. There is no visual. They gotta pack in space. That's more important. There is no. You're, but you're a you're a germaphobe. You're a weirdo. I'm a urophobe. I'm a urinophobe as well. I don't want yeah. there to be any splashback. Yeah. They, they it is terribly designed. You are expected to nearly brush elbow to elbow while doing your business. You're and in a public space. What I do you need, want? I man? Need you want room. to? Why don't you fly private? Private airport. How about that? What I need, how about, all your problems. How about that? How about that? How about that? <laughs> I, this is not the urinal cast. Sorry, folks. You know, it's been a while, so we're, we're going all over the place here. But the, the real point of this, Bill was traveling. He's back in Amsterdam now. I traveled a little bit. It's not worth speaking of. Uh, so we're back talking about new things, things that are happening, things that are hot, trying to keep up with it. And this is a great topic, Bill, because you suggested this to me. 
You texted me about it. I spent about 30 seconds reading about it. I said, okay, maybe someday, right? Then two weeks later, I'm hanging out with my nephews, Adam and Jack Weiland, 18 years old, college freshmen. And they're like, Unky, for your podcast, you got to do this topic. This guy, Andrew Callahan. And I read about him. I'm like, where have I heard about this guy before? I know I've read about him. So I text Bill about it. And Bill's like, Look at the look at your text. Look at the text I sent you a week ago. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it was the same. Well, thing. I heard about yes. this. This was a, I did two episodes of Wrong Real while I was in New York. I was maximizing my body's potential by doing um pod, made on my, my Wrong Real podcast by my good friend James Hancock, past guest of the program. And as we were warming up on one of the episodes, he was telling me if he asked me if we had done this before, and I'd never heard of this kid Callahan before. And he says, oh, you got to watch this guy. You know, he had, he had, I think he went back and watched the original stuff on YouTube when it was happening. You know, he likes to keep his ear to the grindstone and, and see about these or, like organic, weird. Um, this is exactly the kind of thing James Hancock yeah. would have watched. And so I was glad keep, he, he keep gave Keep his a hint. ear to the grindstone, folks. Yeah. Mixed metaphor department. Yeah. It doesn't cut the mustard. That, that's not a mixed metaphor. That's a correct metaphor. Cut the mustard? Cut the mustard, yeah. That's what oh, wait, wait, it doesn't pass the mustard. That's what I mean to say, sorry. Pass the mustard. Yeah. Well, that's more a, 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 a malaprop, a, a, Mon, a Mondragreen's a song. That's a mishearing of cut the, uh, pass muster. No, pass muster is in the military. That's the must in the Pass morning. muster yeah. is military. Cut the muster, d- yeah. d- 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 as yeah. in the, the yellow condiment or, yeah. or yellowish gray condiment, uh-huh. is a different one, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Or how about fly off the mustard? Fly off, fly off. He got so angry, he, fl- he, he flew, flew off, off the He mustard. flew off the mustard, yeah. That's, I, that's a good one. Yeah. It, it was the icing on the gravy. I heard that one recently. I like it. Looks like icing the, on the gravy, and it would make your head curl. What I like to say, it looks like the shoes on the other hand this time. Yes, exactly. Good one. Good one. Okay. So anyway, uh, James Hancock keeps, keeps his ear to the grindstone, and he recommended so Andrew Callahan to us as well. And he's a lot older than 18. Uh, not much older than 18, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, Exactly. So Andrew Callahan, which I kept spelling this in my first few, it has the G that that particular Silent G, the yeah. the Irish G H A N Callahan, yeah. not like Dirty Harry Callahan, which was just the H A N. Was it? Yeah. Dirty Harry didn't have the G. Right. You know what? And to tell you the truth, with all excitement, I lost track of it myself, as he would say. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So Andrew Callahan is an offbeat video documentarian who is best known for a series of uh, online uh, things called All Gas No Breaks, B R A K A K. A-K-E-S, not B-R-E-A-K-S, on something called Quarter Confessions, as in French Quarter. Uh, He's currently getting a lot of heat. And no, this thing popped up probably at the beginning, right after we did the the Avatar episode, the the clips of this thing were kind of going out there. To be honest, that's why I didn't pay attention to the clips, especially the one about that weird fucking uh, projection uh, uh, Peter-ass guy who was like a total Q lunatic. That was the one. That guy, um, the dude, oh, Andrew Tate, the guy who argued with Greta Thunberg. No, 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 uh, no. From from oh. the movie, from the HBO movie, we're going to be talking about that guy who was calling everybody a pedophile, and then it turns out he was a pedophile himself. Oh yeah, I mean that. Yeah. Well, that okay. clip, that clip. Oh, you, you're saying you saw clips of that, and you thanks for just giving away the end of the twist at the end of the movie. There's Bill. no Good twist. In it. Yeah. Well, he was. He was. So, I didn't see it coming. You saw that coming. Yes. Yeah, no, I knew that was coming. That was the uh, point. That went viral weeks ago. Yeah, that was hard. All right. Well, I didn't see it. Ah, I see. I don't have my ear to the grindstone. You don't. Yeah, that? you don't pass the mustard. Exactly. So, I don't pass uh, the mustard. So the this, mustard's not on the other foot. When this it comes thing. To uh, well, that's. A 
<laughs> don't bring don't, the don't, mustard's don't, not on the proper foot. I have a lot of thoughts on mustard and public urinals, but we'll get into that in another podcast. So yeah, so that the thing we're discussing is called This Place Rules as a specific uh, uh, product of this guy Andrew Callahan, and This Place Rules was produced by uh, uh, what is it? Absolutely, which is the Tim, Tim and Eric as Wareheim and Hedeker. Jonah Hill was also involved in this too. I think Jonah Hill is exactly the kind of uh, catnip that he gets involved with, especially if he's you know, he's producing more and more things now as he goes along. And this is an HBO docu feature. Um, I think it it has a little bit of a tortured birth, but I mean I think we'll get to that. So this doc appears to be a, a chronicle of the of the run up to Jan Six via a barnstorming national tour in an RV, um, living very rough, him and his camera crew, which I just think is two friends, one guy doing audio, mm-hmm. one guy doing camera, probably an editor, very low to the ground. I mean, it is a, a dirty-ass, probably stanky-ass RV, and they were honestly going from town to town, sh- showering where they could, sleeping, um, you know, as the truck was parked under stoplights and, and you know, uh, street signs and Walmart, Walmart parking lots across the United States. And he did this, uh, to cover Trump rallies, QAnon adherents, and other right-wing weirdos, and it's sort of an offbeat forensic study of a lot of the stuff that you know we're plainly familiar with. But he was trying to be a little more rigorous about it. So Callahan has also—we have to mention this uh, at the top mm-hmm. of the show because this is one of those things. I, in doing the research for this, when you search for him, this is 500% of the current thing has, has eclipsed the document documentary itself, which was very buzzy about a week or so ago. Because he's been accused by at least four women of pressuring them into sex they didn't want. Uh, I don't know if I'm, I'm phrasing that correctly. I think one has sort of been encouraged by the other as dominoes sort of became present, uh, prominent. Um, for, and for what what is worth, Callahan has denied the accusations and even intimated that there was an attempt or two at extortion along the way. But that doesn't invalidate anything. I'm just saying that's something I, I read online. Uh, anyway, Callahan has a little background. He started out as a journalism student at Loyola in New Orleans. Um, and he went through the program, graduated. He was very interested in, in sort of unorthodox journalism. And this is something you're see- I guess some people go through journalism programs thinking they're going to go through the traditional methods, either TV or broadcasting or media or something like that. But I think he always looked at publishing stuff yourself, be it on, uh, you know, TikTok, YouTube. The guy was born in 1997. I mean, newspapers were already doomed. I know. And it, it, it's, he learned to read. I hear so someone going through a journalism program. The first thing I think, like if you go through Columbia's journalism program, it means that you're going to get a job at the Washington Post, the New York Times, or the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. That's the whole point of it existing. Okay, well, I know. It's like, so how, well, what? that was a great career. 30 years. <laughs> it's like, why do these things exist? If, you know, like, right. what's the point of Columbia's journalism program if you're not, if you don't have newspapers? I don't know. Well, let's, let's give them credit. And if we were to actually look at the curriculum of Columbia journalism, I'm sure it shifted somewhat. somewhat. I'm sure they have plenty of courses on writing online, on fact checking, yeah. insane conspiracy theories pushed by a, you know, a demented, racist, thin skinned president. Yeah. I mean, but I, Columbia is a good Columbia is a good university. I, no, the, it, I'm not saying it isn't. I'm just saying it's between yeah. Yale and Columbia have these journalism programs that yes. that filled as exactly 99 percent of the New York Times. Yes. And the North, no, Times. the Northwestern journalism. Northwestern's a good one too. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, just, I really appreciate the fact that he was doing a traditional. He was probably in a traditional education and decided that he was going to use it 
to do this right. with it. You know, um, you know, he's and so- talk about wait. Uh, make sure you mention his uh, his night job while he was at Loyola. That's oh, uh, he started, right, right, right. Okay, his night job is that he was a doorman somewhere in the in the Bourbon Street on the French Quarter. And so, like anybody who sort of probes the heart of darkness, you know, he he what is it? He gazed into the abyss and it gazed back at him. He saw. Yeah. Much and like, he recorded it and put it on YouTube. And that's it. why it's called Quarter Confessions, because I think it was sort of a riff on whether you saw taxi cab confessions or not. It's that idea that late at night, under the under the effect of drugs and alcohol and, you know, perversion and whatnot, people say their hidden thoughts without even meaning to, you know, in, in, in vino veritas, as it were. And so, uh, yeah, it's funny to go from a, a traditional journalism program at a, you know, college like Loyola to doing this really buzzy uh, YouTube superstar, which he kind of became. Um... So he sold the premise of this RV tour to one production group. Um, I that, that's I think that was the all gas no brakes thing. Yes, and that led to all gas no brakes. Yeah, and so they there was some there was a schism. They fell out in the middle of the project, you know. And so he put but up. They a, did a lot of episodes before they fell out. Him yeah. traveling in the RV, meeting weirdos, convention. I mean, it wasn't just political stuff. I saw people hunting for Bigfoot in Minnesota. Things like that. The yeah. testicle thing, all the urine drinking, and that one. Well, the uh, testicle thing was. Was Channel Five? That was the next thing. Right, right, yeah. All gas, no brakes. I might. I'm sorry. I might have only watched one episode. I watched the one where they're hunting for Bigfoot in Minnesota. Yeah, you get the impression. It's it's like a. a And they're only ten minutes long, ten to twenty minutes each. Each. Yeah, it's almost like you know. I'd say the thing he looks more heavily influenced by is Vice than anything else. It's not. It's not Vice, but it is Vice alike. Um, Yeah. So his whatever he had some. He had some decent funding. I think he was making. I mean, he's only making forty five thousand for one project, which is really low level. And that arrangement fell apart, and then he managed to sell it to Absolutely. And this movie is the sort of result of one professional relationship falling apart, and another one kind of being um, confabulated on the road or or, you know made to a contract. Yeah, he moved on to he fell out with the all gas no brakes people. He moved on to this new thing, Channel Five, slightly more polished production values, sponsorships, things like that, and that's what springboarded him into the HBO feature, which he directed himself. Yeah, and he edited, he's one of the three credited editors this, too. This, this place rules. Yeah. And I think we also need to say his style, you know, he calls himself a gonzo journalism. And gonzo journalism, I don't know if it was coined by Hunter S. Thompson, but it's a style of journalism where you very consciously, as opposed to the classic style, the reporter puts himself into the story. So the archetypical piece of gonzo journalism was Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, uh, which Hunter S. Thompson did uh, about, oh no, well, before that he did the Hells Angels thing and then he did the 68 uh, uh, Democratic yeah. Presidential Convention. I have thoughts on Hunter S. Thompson, but there are a lot, you know, uh, uh, a big watershed in that was Roger and Me, Michael Moore's breakout hit, where he uncovered the, um, the GM down, was it GM? Some car company downsizing yeah, in Detroit. I think it was, think it was yeah. In the late 80s, I, I studied that, film in college and um it was basically this idea where the the journalist is really part of the story and i think callahan has a unique we'll talk about this but a unique way of putting he's always in the story you always see him on camera but i think he strikes a very interesting balance so just just needed to shoehorn that in because i'm never satisfied with your introductions no it's true so but tell me yeah. so what is your impression from having watched some of this stuff especially i mean the movie well, i assume we're talking about most of the most of the yeah movie. i talked about the movie but i watched i watched I think one episode of All Gas No Breaks, a few episodes of um, of Channel Five, uh, actually a bunch of episodes of Channel Five. He is—I mean, my first thought was this guy is really, really good, and then the more I watched, I got less enthusiastic. 
Uh, I like him. I like his style. His style is unique and effective. He, you know, an inevitable comparison is uh, The Daily Show, right? They're man on the street interviews. Lately, they send that guy Jordan Klepper to, you know, to Trump cult rallies, things like that. But he's even more neutral and in some respect flat than The Daily Show guys. He's got this very every guy aesthetic. He's not a good looking guy. He's kind of goony looking. He's got bad acne. He's got bad hair. He wears, I think this purposely like formless beige his, suit. His dad's suit. A lot of his it's stuff. like a dad's suit. Yeah. Yeah. He's very, and unlike the Daily Show guys, he doesn't ask pointed, he interviews crazy people, but he doesn't ask pointed questions. He gives them a lot of space to talk. He'll ask questions like, what do you mean? Or tell me more about that, you know? In, again, a very flat and unaffected, very unpolished way. A way that never would have gotten him any media attention in the pre-YouTube era. Um, Very bare-bones production value. Even Channel 5, where they, you know, improve the production values. I mean, very consciously, like, they'd they'd show, like, a stock photo image, and it would still have the watermarks on it. Things like that. Um, he takes his time. There's one where he goes in Alabama to a book signing for Donald Trump Jr.'s, you know, book. And there's a really disturbed woman there, an African-American woman who is blending, you know, uh, kind of fringe Christianity with Trump worship. And he just lets her talk for like seven minutes. And really, you know, she lays out, I mean, frankly, I think it's just sad. I think this woman's mentally ill. Um, he has an appealing modern way of editing, a lot of quick cuts, bizarre extreme close-ups, uh, lingering on... There's a moment he goes to... It's the first... And actually, he, he takes some clips from this in the HBO movie. The first Stop the Steal rally, I believe, the night after the election, when you know it was clear Biden would win, but it wasn't official yet. And he, sh- he shows people fighting. He shows pro-Trump people and anti-Trump people fighting. And this guy who's holding two big my pillow boxes runs away and he drops one of the boxes and there's just this lingering shot of the my pillow box of Mike Lindell's you know stupid smiling face right. Uh, he is very much interested in showing extremism on both sides, so I think there's definitely a way for right wingers to see this as bolstering their argument. I really don't think it does. It's clear Callahan's a lefty. Um, but I could see how right-wingers can fool themselves. There's, a, there's one where he goes to an NRA rally, an NRA convention, and people are protesting outside. There's a counter-protester, a guy screaming at the anti-gun people that they're idiots. And when Callahan goes up to talk to him, the guy's like, I know you, dude! You're awesome! I love you! And he's a deluded, crazy fool who... What does he say that's really... Oh, he's one of these people who says it's all about mental illness, ignoring the fact that the NRA has no concern about doing anything about mental illness. And of course, the politicians the NRA support stand in the way of, of mental illness support. Um, I thought This Place Rules, which obviously had even better production values, was very interesting and you know entertaining for the most part. But it felt like to me he was losing the thread of what made him unique by being a little less weird. Uh, and he comes to conclusions at the end that I didn't think were very profound at all. Um, At the very end, he says something about why these people go go for conspiracies. And he says, you know, if you fail yourself or if you've been failed by the world, conspiracies provide a way out. I don't think that's very profound. But that's the nature in some ways of gonzo journalism and part of what I never liked about Hunter S. Thompson. It's about ego. It's not about depth. 
Um, and it can't be entirely trusted. That's what I learned about Roger and me. Like, could you even call this a documentary? Because it, it very much wears its stance, its opinion on its sleeve. And is unapologetic about it. Now, there's a place for that. It's certainly entertaining and can be enlightening. But I don't know. You know, there's editing. There's, there's intention. It's not, um, even though it seems to support my viewpoint, I can admit it's not completely neutral. He leaves out a lot of context that I think would be more enlightening, more helpful. And we're living in a world of extremism. He's focused on the extreme. You sent me that clip, one of the Channel 5 ones, where he talks to a guy who does, what's it called? Erotic... <laughs> it's you know it's, this, it's, it's sort of like a Iron John type shit, but for the twenty. It's so weird. Yeah, this guy up in Vancouver who does like men get together naked and massage each other's balls, and they say it's about energy. It's not about sexuality. And look, hey, if it makes him feel good, I don't give a shit, right? But you know, he trots these guys out to be mocked and laughed at, and I think he gives them space to do it. Um, but it by focusing on extremism like that. It tempts feeding some unhealthy narratives on both sides that I think plague our culture a bit. Uh, so there's a lot here, a lot to chew on. He's a very interesting character. He's very talented in a lot of respects, very smart uh, and entertaining. But I'm not sure that this really touches the nerve and exposes things and makes a profound statement as much as, A, I'd like it to, and B, I think he intends for it to do. So it's a thumbs up, but not an extreme thumbs up. I found him to be funny. His work at the beginning was... Uh, Some of it. Yeah, yeah. There, there's, you know, it's weird because what he was showing and all that editorial style you're talking about, the jump cuts, the quick cuts, the, the, the smash cuts from one thing to the next, the, a lot of that stuff was the language of comedy in terms of editing. And yet, uh, he was using the very melancholy um, music palette that people use in modern documentary... Uh, it sounded like the uh, score to Making a Murderer. It was very serious, very very, mis very mysterious, very um, uh, numinous. And yet I found what he was saying was setting people up to say very simple things in a very pro, you know, pro forma way. You know, just showing you essentially pretty standard documentary. And, and I was thinking, boy, is this the HBO um, guidance? Are they like giving him a soundtrack to this thing that sounds almost discordant with how just just sort of glib his his edit his, his uh, editorial style and his, his interviewing style and it's like oh well no then when i went back and watched other stuff he did this is his palette he has always scored his documentaries this way in a way it almost makes it sound more mysterious more cavernous more enigmatic than what he's showing you which i think is pretty you know it's, it's simple people saying exactly what they mean there's not a lot of mystery to it it's just you're sort of fascinated with the human vision and like you said his skill if you want to call it that is that he's not making any points that the edit makes points but it's like and his editorial skill is to almost be like mr cellophane he's just supposed to he looks like fucking napoleon dynamite you know what i'm saying he just looks like <laughs> yeah. he yeah. he he's wearing this boxy form awkward suit. weirdo yeah awkward weirdo i mean it, terrible it, skin terrible skin the skin you can't do anything about you know but the fact that he wears this gigantic mop of curls on his head and this huge like eric andre type ill-fitting suit and white like reebok sneakers that's the that's that's the pose, that's the pretense that he designs in order to make the character of um, Andrew Callahan the interviewer. Now, you know, what, what took me back at the beginning of watching um, This Place Rules is that he was doing a lot of both sides in quotes. 
uh, as if to show you people who were out there identifying as Antifa, people who were identifying as, as socialists and communists. Yeah, were people some, who were openly saying they were Marxists. Yeah, so. for some time, for like 15 minutes of the movie, it was almost making an equivalent. And there was the woman who was in her house. She, she like the Biden poster falls off the wall in like a little bit of a, a you know, an edit note. Um, you mean the, 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 the feminist? Yes. And she said. Who I, was talking about Trump's penis? Yeah. Look, she sounded crazy, but I think 90% of what she said I agreed with. Oh, I know. So. She was saying, it, no, and, and she even said, again, who knows why? She said, Donald Trump is going to go to jail and he's going to be raped. And, and it's like, okay. You yeah. Know, it was yeah, silly. Well, but yeah, she sounded crazy, but I I think Donald Trump belongs in jail. I don't so, want him no, to No, but it was raped, like, so but. most of the movie is, most of the movie is not, most of the movie takes place in finding, he's stopping around finding people who are Q adherents, who are conspiracy theory, who are all about the, you know, cosmic pizza and all this shit. Um, but but just for a single second, I don't know why he bothered to put in this thing of just saying, oh, you know what, left wing anti anti gun, uh, you know, and BLM and anti George Floyd, like they're somehow loonies too. I don't I don't get that's not uh, that's yeah, not, but that I'm sorry, I have to interject, and this the difference between me and Andrew Callahan. Yes, they're loonies too. They're not connected to the Democratic mainstream. Most of them are under 25 years old. Yeah, and the, there's the, a difference. Yeah, no, the left wings got crazies. The crazies don't have much power. Yeah, but I mean, okay. I, but I, just but I, leave it I don't know what the point of showing it, you know, like he's talking about the people who, all these people who were all Proud Boys, if it was Henry Tarrio and all the rest of these lunatics, they do have power. They have the ear of the president. You know, yes, they do. They're, they're the, uh, what was it, the Brown? Well, the former president is enthralled to them. They're, they're Believes the, everything they say to him. They're the Brown Because shirts. they kiss his ass and that's all he cares about. And at no, he, he makes at one point, uh, Callahan makes a reference to the fact that um, a lot of the left wing is plagued, which is, as we know, it's plagued by... Uh, disunity and a lot of fracturization mm-hmm. and things like that, and that's so, true. And that's that's what, becoming more a hallmark of the right at this point, right? But that's yes, but that's a relative, that's a relatively new that's a relatively new feature. Um, anyway, look, I, I I don't want to focus on that because I, I I like it seems like once he gets this thing going, it does become like a Jordan Klepper feature, except Jordan Klepper has the polished uh, actor. He, he is a news person. Jordan Klepper has become less a comedian now and is, is an, an entertainer who seems to have this news pedigree the way Jon Stewart buffed his right. pedigree by well, doing... But, but Klepper asks them questions and confronts yes. them with their insanity. Yeah. And Callahan only does that in one instance at the end of... The, the, the difference is Klepper, I think, is 44 or so, and this kid's 25. And it's like, well, well I don't know what Klepper was doing when he was 25, but this might have been... Along the lines of what he was capable of doing with his with his classical education, before Klepper polished himself into uh, the newsman, or at least the TV newsman he is today, working for a comedy venue, as it were. Um, I said once he got it going, I thought it was a very it, yes, you know what it had it had a pat ending. It did make an observation where the summation was a lot of these people. He, the pathology of showing all these lunatics was. Um, so how tortured the mental that the American mental you know state is right now? How all these people are isolated from one another? He didn't give you clear indication of why you know he was saying what perhaps, but not why. I mean, again, yeah, how, how would yeah, he doesn't go very deep. He doesn't go deep. I I, I can't expect a twenty five year old to go deep, and it's like what I think is that all the stuff I watch, and I'm going to go back to what you're saying, the the um, all gas no breaks and the Channel Five stuff. A lot of that is great. Um, what what look at what I'm looking for? It's like a pre-c. It's almost like a a concept. Um, he's showing you what he can do. He's showing you what the skills he's working on are at this young stage. Now the thing is, that's why doing stuff like this on YouTube, doing this stuff on TikTok, him being a young guy and being so vice inflected, 
makes him he's got the imprimatur that young people want to see because he's really unsophisticated looking uh people who can't really punch holes through media uh they can't scrutinize media the way we might like them to he presents a very superficial look himself as somebody who's outside um you know his editing is outside his you know in the rv is outside even though he's collecting money from jonah hill and of course, it's A24 released this thing. A24 is one of the best names in independent uh, anything. It's it's made all the movies we give a shit about in the last five or six years. Uh, it's like he's he's got the attention of people, or has had the attention because you know Tim and Eric had, did they divorced from him after the allegations came out apparently. So you know what he winds up doing and who he winds up doing it with, where he's going to get money from in the future is kind of kind of foggy. But, you know, like this is what a 25-year-old would do if he was given access, if he had the wherewithal, you know, because it's like he is self-trained, sort of self-taught. He has come up with a vision. Uh, I appreciate all those things because I didn't make anything at 25 that anybody would want to see, and, and <laughs> right, rightly so. Yeah, yeah. What's this interview? Spring break. Yeah, what about it? We got one guy in the ER right now, but, oh, you know, yeah, we I still know. make it. We still power through. I fucking hate it here. Come on. <laughs> this is not content. Show him your Why is Andrew Callahan as popular as he is? He's got, I assume, millions of followers on YouTube or whatever, so why? Well, I mean, he looks the part, you know, and that has a lot to do with when, when you're going to get something that is especially kid inflected. I, there's me using the word inflected two times now, but um, it's he, he looks the part because, again, I said Napoleon Dynamite is the first thing that came. He doesn't sound like John Heater at all, but he, he does have that no. tall sort of like. What a, happened to that guy? But the sort of unkempt, formless, uh, you know, in some ways it's like a man child, too, because he, he even looks younger than 25, to be honest. He looks like he could be a mm -hmm. teenager, almost like when you do see a teenager, a precocious teenager who puts on a suit and asks like, oh, that's so cute. There's that 14 year old kid who ran for mayor yeah. of some town. He almost still looks like that. He his face is so. Well, but that's also his style. The way he asks questions, he has yeah. this very innocent, flat affect yeah. that I yeah. think. Makes him sound immature. You know, and, yeah. and his his he's got big eyes and sort of like chubby cheeks and the hair and he, and he, the acne still makes him look like a teenager. That's the thing. I mean, I'm not saying it's unfortunate. I'm just it's all part of this thing. And you know, he can apparently get anybody if you believe the edit. You know, he can get anybody to talk about anything. He's he's he cuts this to look like he's a very good interviewer, which is again your job as an editor is to make yourself look like a good interviewer so you know you look you get with, with this thing in particular you know and if, if you're if you're keen to buy anything that we're saying to watch something we're mentioning i think that the hbo doc is a good way to start what is an hour 22 an hour 30 it's, it's like yeah. le less than yeah. 90 minutes less but, than 90 minutes but you got revelation you got self-incrimination and you have all these unintended side effects to to plumbing people's minds that you know the real the real eccentrics the real fringe weirdos you know the, the finished product and I, I mean this, I used this term before, it looks like outsider art. And you see more and more of this. Yes. Where in the old days, outsider yes. art was hard to get because it was, well, first of all, there was no way to get distribution in any way, yeah. shape, or form. There was, yeah. That, that is why, by the way, I was thinking about this recently, that is why I loved David Letterman so much in the late 80s, early 90s, because he was the closest thing to outsider art. Well, you know, we Media. didn't have that many channels then. And I, one of the things I always said is, how did this guy get on NBC? Because he was the weirdest thing I had access to. Other than, you know, late nights when I catch stuff on public access. 
He was he felt too weird to be on TV. Now that shit A has taken over mainstream that style. I don't think people give Letterman enough credit for how influential he was. And you know you can you can anyone could do a YouTube channel, and if enough people like it, it goes viral, and the whole world can see it. Yeah. Well, I think that this has um, less polish than the most polished thing. Like you, you said before, that the HBO stuff looks more polished than the uh, YouTube stuff. And I would I would even claim that the 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 polish is. This is used discreetly because I still think there's a currency to making this look like it was done on his own laptop in Adobe Premiere. So no yeah. matter, no, I, I like the, there's a thing about the tools of editing, and then there's the language of editing because I know for a fact I have friends who are in the process of trying to sell stuff to HBO Docs, the same company that I'm guessing got this on Max, or at least some of the same executives. And HBO Max has a very heavy hand. They they know they have put out a lot of really good top flight documentary product over the last bunch of years uh, and they do not take their creators lightly they machine and work and they blast people and into- i think by the way i think i see some of that in this place rules i'm sure i see some decisions that i would guess were not his creative i'm choices. sure yeah i can believe Callahan's. that i can believe that totally but i also think that hbo knew what they had on their hands and their job was to do was to make sure it wasn't over polished because they would lose some of the ingenuity or it would become disingenuity out of the uh, sort of irony, the sort of humble, right. humble working like yeah. striking the balance. Yeah. You kind of you know what like when you when you want to see the painting strokes, you know you want to see the actual pencil strokes of an artist. You just don't want to see something that looks like it was spat out by an AI generator. And you know all those things to me look like the, and don't get me wrong, some of the AI art looks great, but that that to me is some of like what the imprimatur of what Callahan does and why it has struck a chord. Yeah, I think you're right about a lot of things. I think he has the style that's suited to YouTube, the ramshackle thing, uh, the purposely, you know, the jump cut editing, things that are very, the lingua franca of young media, uh, young, younger than our generation, the generation of my nephews, right? Uh, so the way he does things is very suited to YouTube. Well, this place rules. I keep wanting to say this place sucks. That's a song by uh, the Descendants, but it's called This Place Rules. Um, Anyway, it's suited to YouTube. It's a style that's very familiar. The fact that, you know, like when he walks around, he, the only microphone he has is a clip-on mic. He's sticking a clip-on mic in with, people's with faces. With the wire, it's, with that little with wire. With the wire. Yeah, yeah it's, it's his style in that he, he gives these crazy people long periods to talk with no editing. Uh, so it's very suited to the style of presentation. That has become, you know, our parents, it was all about stuff like this. You need to be like Walter Cronkite, right? Yeah. Now it's very, very different. Um, He is exposing extremism. Extremism is what people want, unfortunately. Uh, They want to see the craziest pro-NRA person and the craziest Antifa person, right? They want to push into that element. It's, you know, for us, we want to see the craziest pro-NRA person because it, it justifies our thoughts. It justifies our opinions. And people on the right... You know, they want to see the 22-year-old kid who's talking about, you know, hanging all police officers because that, see, we told you. Um, I mean, we both do that. Um, and I also think it's, it's suited to young people. So I will, my nephews are 18 years old. They're freshmen in college. They have it way more together than I did at their age. Very smart, very confident, very politically aware, right? I mean... They're involved in both, both, they're both in the Democratic group on their campuses. I honestly think my nephew Adam might run for office someday, would be excellent. This country would be lucky to have him. But they're still kids. They still do stupid kid stuff and have stupid kid attitudes and like, you know, dirty, silly jokes. 
And I think Andrew Callahan is profound journalism for young people. You know what I mean? I think you got to be a little naive and young to uh, really think this guy is, you know, like I say, the conclusions he comes to, I mainly agree with. They're prima they facie. Seem, I think they're prima facie. Yeah, they don't seem that. very profound to me. I mean, one thing that annoyed me, I watched that, so I'm referring to, he did a Channel 5 where he went to an NRA convention. And he talked to the crazy Antifa people who were protesting the convention. He talked to the people who were shouting back at the protesters. He talked to the people in the convention. And, oh, by the way, this, it's very important. This NRA convention was in Texas right after the Uvalde shooting. So some people said they shouldn't do it. It was in poor taste. But Governor Greg Abbott went for it anyway. Uh, and then he goes to Uvalde and he shows the memorial outside the school. And he shows people at the memorial. I don't know if these people directly lost family, but they certainly were close to the, the disaster. And they were anti-gun, but, you know, 10,000 times more intelligent and thoughtful than, you know, the mainly kids screaming. I mean, I'm a lefty, but those kids screaming outside the NRA convention I don't think are accomplishing anything at all. And frankly, I think most of them are pretty naive. Uh, so... What bothered me, my point is, what bothered me is I don't think he connects the dots. I don't think he says why something's a problem or why something's right or why something's wrong. And you could say that's not the job of a documentarian, but he's inserted himself enough in it enough that I think he's crossed that line and I think he needs to. Um, he says one example at the end of This Place Rules. He, he, he makes a, a blatant point like that. Um, so... My point is, I think that's suited to young people, is revelations that are profound to young people, but not profound to older people, since time immemorial. At this point, I had never actually gone on a cue board. So for the first time, I had Jaden's dad, Brandon, take me headfirst into QAnon.pub, which is the main cue board. Noah, speaking of what we would have liked as a kid, uh, would Callahan have uh, appealed to you in the same way that Letterman did at the time? Yeah, absolutely. And for some of the reasons I said, I would have found him especially profound. I would have found this bracing and informative. Now I think it doesn't really get there, but there's enough meat on this bone. I mean, I think we agree. This guy's talented. His work is entertaining. His work has the roots of enlightenment in it. So I think as a young man, I would have found this really powerful. And that's fine. I'm, I'm glad my nephews really like this guy. I think this is a good thing to like when you're 18 years old. I think it's a good thing to like at 47. I just think it's I wish it were a little more. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's smart and creative enough. Also, I was an awkward dork, you know, who kind of, I didn't look like this guy, but I was, I looked like someone who would hang out with you this guy. You didn't steer into it like this guy does, that's for sure. Well, that I'll get to that in the, the jealousy thing. Uh, but I looked like I would have hung out with this guy. I was interested in politics. Um, I was interested in, in extremism, hearing what the crazies say. So I think I would have, you know, I would have related to him in many respects. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that's it's, it's refle reflexive here. I mean, maybe it's because we're two dudes talking to another dude in some way who, who looks, you know, you figure, is he a, is, is he the way we fancied ourselves as being brainy? You know, even if I was like a comic book nerd, this guy doesn't quite look like a comic book nerd, but... He looks like a nerd. Yeah, he looks yeah, like a yeah. dork. Right, right. He doesn't. He doesn't look like an intellectual, but he looks like a dork. Yeah, you know? that's there is a big difference there. Yeah, and I don't know what was what when I was a kid. But I mean, let's let's be honest here. I mean, yeah, definitely would like this as a kid. Uh, this is the essence. Um, 
of what truth telling feels like if you're a young person burnt out on traditional media or not yes. just burnt, not just burnt out but the idea is it never it was it, it's again that's Walter Cronkite whether you look at um CNN at, at 7 p.m. or if you look at the Wall Street Journal or if you look at any of these traditional or, or even Rachel Maddow for God's sake it's like that looks it all looks like a big bulwark of Walter Cronkite and uh, David Brinkley and it's like that might as well take place in, in you know it, the species circular it might as well have been something that people <laughs> made on a hand press you know 300 years ago or something like that right it was yeah it was it was it was a uh, and I scribes think, wrote it out I with think, the town crier and I think that what you know what it, it occurs to me what it is is that you probably associate that stuff with the echo chamber that your parents are in um and which is it's true because I think let's say that you are uh, all right, yeah, this guy is—he's young enough to conceivably actually be a son of ours. We are old enough to have sired, to have sired. <laughs> yeah, that's it's right. True. It's that's true. right. And so the thing is, our—he was born. He was born right around the time we graduated college. Yeah, this, it makes perfect yeah. sense. It could have been, you know. Uh, and the thing is, it's like other than the fact that I, you know, barely had any sex in college, but that's another. Story. Yeah, there's no way I could have had a child. That's I should. But I mean, uh, you know, what his parents' generation called, like they're the ones who were looking on Facebook and getting vaccine misinformation. It's like, it, it is Andrew Callahan's parents' generation who in turn are probably our generation. So I think traditional- yeah, A little older, a little older. Whatever the, whatever the idea of the traditional media is, it's like, this guy looks like a balm, a tonic for that sort of thing. Sorry, Boss Top, what, what do you think about condoms? When I think about condoms, I got six kids right there. Right now, all day long. Is the rise of Andrew Callahan, the fact that this movie got made, the fact that he's popular, uh, you know, what if he keeps rising? What if he becomes the Walter Cronkite of, of Gen Z? Are I, any of these things signs of the apocalypse? Walter Cronkite of Gen Z. I'm trying to picture him taking his glasses off so he announces the, uh, the moon landing. Uh, like his... Uh, his bona fide, you know, his work is is solid. It's funny. It's heartfelt and it's earnest. Um, you know that that's a good base of a career. If if he in fact is meant to go on and have one, if he can work in a business, if he can get past, uh, if he can or should get past the accusations. But all right, you know, I I, I kind of feel like some of this topic, you know, we can talk about him specifically. But it's what I was more disappointed about thinking about sign of the apocalypse is that it is so hard. It seems so hard to find a person uh without some sort of controversy behind them and these are like it's it's a simple thing for me to go through life without someone accusing you of what this guy's been accused of it's been very <laughs> it's been very easy for me to do so that's what i'm saying and again I'm, I'm not saying everybody loves me and and you know but my my infractions have been different from from moment to moment but nothing nearly as grave as whatever he's been you know again you, your definition of grave in my definition, this if it, if it threatens his career, it's pretty grave. But, you know, more than that, these are serious things that need to be addressed. But it's, again, it's like how many times we see someone, they get, almost get, what is it called? The the, the duck caveat? There's some phenomenon online about a milkshake duck. Is it, oh, is, yeah. I still don't know what that means. Well, it's, it's a, you know, like it was a, it's a straw man thing. Or somebody said, oh, here's this great duck who has a milkshake. And you see the video that afternoon. And by five o'clock that day, someone said, oh, milkshake duck hasn't paid his taxes, and, you know, and supports Proud Boy or... <laughs> You know, as a sexual a sexual offender or something like it's like this is no. is quick. Actually, ducks are pretty nasty. They are. I, I believe ducks just rape each other. Of course, go penises. But it's like that's yeah. the thing. As soon as you see somebody come up, it seems like again we started doing the research for this, and then like in the middle of watching the movie, I'm looking at his his press role, and it's like oh, all this stuff is what they're talking about right now, and it's just amazing that this had so many people have this stuff in their in their portfolio. 
that it's it's like what is it about the world what is it about these people what is it about the industry do all my friends have you know complaints of being sex pests and i just don't know about them is this like a bigger thing amongst i think i i think we shouldn't get into this right now i'm just bringing i'm just bringing it up but anyway no i think a lot of people do a lot of things and some lines are easy to cross and it doesn't mean it's okay to cross them but it means a lot of people do. Anyway, so, so what do you think? What do you think say. about the apocalypse? Uh, no, no. Um, you know, he doesn't. I've been all over the place here, but while he doesn't scratch the itch that I think needs scratching in terms of journalism, in terms of insight, he's better than nothing. He's creative and entertaining, and and like I say, if 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 you're eighteen or nineteen or twenty. He is profound, and that's something we need. Uh, I also think while I can believe that a right-winger thinks he supports them sometimes, uh, I don't think he feeds it as much. You know, showing the extremism of two sides, he definitely shows the extremism of the right and makes a point that that is more powerful. I, I mean, this place rules is, you know, it, it's it's not showing... I mean, he does have videos where he shows some of the... the the Black Lives Matter riots and, and buildings burning down. But and maybe it's my point of view. I think it's no building should be burned down and nothing should be looted. But I think there's the reasons for those things starting have more weight than the reasons for the people attacking the Capitol and trying to overturn an election. Um, you know, I don't think so. My point is he doesn't feed the right wing narrative as much as a lot of things out there. But you never know. Like that NRA guy who loved him, you know. I could see the Proud Boys wondering if he's one of them. I mean, they might just be that stupid. History has proven that's a possibility. Uh, so he's good. He's not bad. He's not apocalyptic. I wish he were better, but he's not bad. We're here in the uh, Parkway Gardens housing development in Chicago, otherwise known as Oblock. A uh, 24-building complex on the city's south side. It's where Michelle Obama grew up, and it's also where drill music began around 10 years ago. All right, now let's bring it on home. Let's talk about jealousy yeah. and whatever jealousy. feelings that this guy inspired. Yes. So here's the way I'm jealous of Andrew Callahan. Every time he's talking to some nut, some insane, violent, angry, anti-American conspiracy theorist, I'm, I just want to yell at this person about how wrong they are or show them evidence or say, what's your evidence of that or blah, 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 blah. He controls himself. He doesn't do that. He just says, like, tell me more about that. Why? That, that sounds interesting. You know, he could control himself. He could sit across from these people, listen to this nonsense and not have the top of his head explode. I don't have that control over myself. I could never do his job. I could never keep my cool. I would lose it and undermine my own argument, Right. This is why when I volunteer, I don't like to do phone banking because when I get on the phone with someone, if they say something I disagree you, with, you push I back every lose single it. time. Yeah, I'll admit I get, you know, use the word. I get triggered by the shit. Absolutely. I'm not certain roles I shouldn't be playing because it's just not doesn't doesn't play upon my strengths. And I wish it did. So I wish I could keep my cool the way this guy does. I wish I had the nerve to face these people and talk to these people or just listen to these people. I couldn't even do that. So I'm I'm very jealous of his self-possession. Until I read about the accusations, uh, let's just preface by saying that. Yes, very much yeah. so. I'll tell you yeah. why. Look, th- this guy, there are, um, you know, there's some fame balls that we look at, some people who do different things in different walks of life. As successful as some people are at what they do, it doesn't inspire jealousy merely because they're successful. 
Uh, but something about the shape of what this guy does, you know, I just realized that he's down the road from where I, I mean, metaphorically speaking, he's down the road from where I grew up and not so far away. Yeah. That with the, you know, the common materials that we share as human beings, that this isn't something, this isn't an idea that I couldn't have come up with myself. Now, granted, it didn't exist in 1996, 1993. 1993 we didn't have the ability to do this he was inspired by a media landscape that has the look of whatever it fucking is today for, for god's sake that's he is a native to that landscape yeah yeah it, yes. you know i would say it's 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 a self-created media presence you know he, he built a brand i would say almost from childhood because it looks like he started doing stuff like that when, when he was practically a teenager when he was collegiate um I mean, that's impressive. And again, it, it, whatever he did, uh, you know, when he was, he had a shitty job washing the the, 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 the bunghole of humanity. And he kind of decided to turn it into something creative, which is the rest of us with c- customer facing service jobs, just merely had your soul extinguished rather than decide, oh, I'm going to use this as inspiration. Um, you know, and he keeps going on and on with it. So, you know, he, he got the unorthodox funding sources to acquit his particular vision. Um, you know, it's, it's... Uh, if his, you know, fast and organic rise, I think we could also say too. This is this is something he put together himself. It seems to have gone at the yeah. at the pers- yeah. He he hustled. He hustled. Right, and at the he, it yeah. wasn't it wasn't yeah. too fast. It wasn't too slow. It looked like it was a very no, natural. I, 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 I give him a lot of credit for his work. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. His ethic, his effort, absolutely, hundred percent. All right, Noah, and we're gonna wrap it up. Tell me yes. on, our, on our fallopian scale, uh, where do you yes. where do you think uh, this thing falls? <sighs> I've decided I don't want to beat up on Jimmy Fallon anymore. I decided I just I don't care. He doesn't he doesn't trigger me anymore. You know, I'm not a fan. I'll never be a fan, most likely. But there's so many toxic people in our media, and he's just he's not. I mean, he's a tool. Fine, whatever. Everyone's a fucking tool. I mean, if I'm gonna get mad at, <laughs> at Jimmy Fallon, I gotta get you know I gotta throw shit at every McDonald's I drive by. Um, I don't know. So let's just keep calling it the fallopian scale, and and you know it 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 is it is passed beyond Jimmy Fallon. It's now about fallop- fallopian tubes are the worst thing we ever talked about. I don't get it. Fallopian tubes, right? Um, all right. So I I compared it to other people in the realm of politics and comedy. Maybe that's not entirely accurate. So I said he is four. So take four fifths of Sarah Cooper. Remember Sarah Cooper. Yeah, sure. I wonder what she's up to these days. I'm sure I could know. Exactly. Well, that's yeah. the thing. I'm disappointed with Sarah Cooper because she was genius, but it was a one-note genius thing. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted to see the next act, and I'm not seeing the next act. So give her time. She's young as well. So four-fifths Sarah Cooper times 120%. So I guess that's six-fifths of Sassy Justice. Remember Sassy Justice? Uh, that was the... Uh Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. Thing. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, it's just that. not not much to it other than effort, right? So it's somewhere in that realm, right? It's not as good as Sarah Cooper, but it's significantly better than Sassy Justice. You multiply those, you end up wherever the hell you end up at. That is Andrew Callahan. But I am intrigued to see this guy's next act. Yes, the accusations are something to contend with. Let's see where he lands after that dust settles. If he is still in the realm of creating stuff that I am interested in engaging in, I will be uh, engaging with. I will be. Uh, I will be eager to see what that is. Right. I trouble uh, placing this a little bit. And again, the controversy has something to do with it. But I think I eventually like. 
I'm thinking of his same boxy, ill-fitting suit mate in uh, Eric Andre, who does a very outsidery mm-hmm. thing. You know, and Eric. Yeah, Andre, he's very uh, he's very Andrenian. Uh, Eric Andre is playing a character clearly because he he steps. Eric Andre does a lot of stand-up that just sounds like a different guy than the Eric Andre show, which is different from Eric Andre the actor who shows up in movies. But maybe if you sort of like split the difference between Eric Andre and Gerard um, Carmichael. Um, in terms mm. of a guy who was there at the moment to illustrate some, you know, Joy Carmichael just hosted the Golden Globes and had some, you know, he had some really, you know, he just said the reason why I'm, ho- like, they noticed I'm black and that's why I'm hosting the show. You know, like there's some, some bit of the repair thing that the Golden Globes had to do this year was dragging a lot of the bullshit that the reason why they were embargoed for a number of years is because the gold, the Hollywood foreign press was shown to be, you know, a, a slum of an organization. But Nonetheless, uh, Carmichael was a comedian who was there to sort of um, uh, limb the tale of our time. And so, you know, I'm sort of thinking of the service that he was doing a little bit while packaging it. And again, the outsiderness of Eric Andre producing these sort of oddball images, a way to sell something that involves a lot of randomness. Somewhere in the middle, you get this Andrew Callahan guy. Yeah, it's hard to say because I mean, we, we... there's probably more Callahans than I would think, but I don't know what their graduation is. Like, where does a guy in this media or person in this media station, where do they go on to? You know, I think he goes on to do. I mean, if if he, you know, if he survives the accusations, I think he goes on to make more things like this place. This place rules. This place rocks. This place rules. <laughs> is that what it is? I keep wanting to say this place sucks. Yeah. No, you're That's right. That's the. All right. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, I well, you know, I th- I think he does more things like this. I uh, mean, maybe he gets a TV show, an actual TV. I mean, he basically is doing a TV show, but maybe he gets something, you know, with the imprimatur of more legitimacy. Um, I'm thinking of like an Emma Chamberlain, who we talked about, for instance. Like, yes, like Emma Chamberlain doesn't doesn't need anything. She's rich, rich beyond belief off of um, y- yeah, YouTube. But, but but well, well, no, she doesn't need anything. But if she wants to creatively keep produce, she's got to keep producing and right, she's got to move on to something but else. But if, maybe, uh, maybe she'll move on to nothing and just sit in her house and be famous for being famous. The I last time I saw Emma Chamberlain, it was she was do, she was covering the red carpet for the Met Ball, the Met Gala. Okay, so that's what she'll do. She'll be one of those. Maybe people. maybe that was just a one off. But it's like, oh, perhaps that's one potential path. Is that is that like that is fusing whatever traditional paths of appearance that we know in our heads with whatever the younger people have. I, 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 there's no way to fuck yeah. it Yeah. I, I mean, there's no way to know what media will look like in 10 years or 20 years. What will be forms of entertainment, right? I mean, two, two I don't... I, I, the, the other day, I wanted to watch a TV show because an old regular The Big Quiz thing was on Masterminds. And he's talking about it on Facebook and I wanted to watch it. I'm like, I don't know how to watch this. It's not streaming on... I don't have a TV. Yeah. I don't get ABC. Yep. Right? Yep. It's not for free on ABC's website. How the fuck do I How watch do a TV watch show? How do you watch a TV show? Yeah. Right. It, you know, go like Seinfeld. You watch it because it's on TV. No, you don't. Uh, so who knows what media will look like in, yes, two years. So I don't know. I think there's a thousand things Adrian Callahan can end up doing, and we can only begin to speculate. All right, everybody. Uh, you can find past episodes of this podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher. Tweaked to us at Noah and Bill Show. Write to us traditionally yep. uh, via pen and ink and wax seal on a scroll. <laughs> yes. Uh, inscribe it into papyrus what you need to do drop it in a bottle and throw it in the ocean yeah, or put it tie it to a raven's talon and send it to yes. us via the skies yes yeah. 
Exactly. Uh, Noenbilldon'tgetit at gmail.com if you want to do the email thing that works too. Give us a review on the aggregators. People find podcasts when there's heat associated with you know our ongoing our growing ratings and, and advisories. I'm on Twitter at William Scurry and I'm on YouTube, youtube.com slash amcaesar. And I recently, I mentioned I was on Wrong Reel. I did uh, a year-end wrap-up of the uh, the best of 2022 with my good friends uh, Marcus Pinn, Rob Cotto, and James Hancock. Yeah. And I did another fourth installment of the Naughty 90s Nostalgia, uh, talking about sexy right. movies from the 1990s, which we have a so- soft spot in our heart for. And here, yeah, no, Of course we do. No, but it's not, not always a soft spot, if you know what true. I mean. Noah is here. Hey, to, yo! He's here yeah, your least. list of... I really enjoyed your list of the best of 2022. Oh, yeah. Even yeah. though I hadn't seen most of them. I didn't realize the Fletch movie was good. I gotta uh, try to yeah. find that. I'm, I'm throwing my... I mean, I my, love John Hamm, and I... Throw my back into it, Fletch. you know what I'm saying? I'm, Although... Former topic of this show, Cha Cha Real Smooth, you said was one of the best movies of 2020. Honorable You're mention. You're insane. Honorable mention. Okay, yeah. fine. Anyway. Cha Cha Real. I'm, I'm quoting someone else where I call it Cha Cha Real Smooth. Cha Cha Real sucks. Yeah. Hey, where, where, can they, um, where can they find you? The appreciative audience. Yes, I, I'm all about the big what's, quiz. What's your Venmo? What's your PayPal, Noah? I'm not giving that away. <laughs> Uh, bigquizthing.com, the finest in uh, custom trivia events for corporate events, private events. 2023, we're uh, we got a little uh, little media project we're in the early stages of. I think it'll be fun, but for now, we're just booking events nationwide, uh, worldwide. Uh, yeah, it's it's nice. We're finally at the place where I think we're getting on the trajectory of traveling. You know, we our whole team really likes traveling, and and we've taken a big quiz into so many states beyond our hubs. So you know, we were just in Arkansas for the first time. We booked another event in Miami. You know what that's worth uh looks like i might be going to denver soon so it's nice it's nice that we're really getting out there again perhaps unwisely uh but we're you know we we're we're available uh wherever you want us the finest in custom corporate and private trivia events fundraisers you name it learn more at bigquizthing.com so until the next episode of this podcast where we bring in a third party a significant guest to interview us and give us plenty of rope with which to hang ourselves We We don't don't get get it. it. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2023.